We all think, don't we, that when we read the Bible or when we pray or when God speaks to us, we think what we have heard or what we've seen is everything, don't we? Well, I, maybe I do. Um, and we like to think that the bit that we've seen, everybody should be doing the same as what we've seen. And I'm coming to realize that actually that's not the case. That we're in a body and we're in a family. And actually we all see things from slightly different perspectives. And we all need to hear and to embrace how God is speaking and working in all of us. So I wanted to rather nervously ask you, will you show me grace as I share my perspective on things? and the lenses through which I see Jesus and ministry. Okay, thank you. And hopefully I can do the same to you as well. So I want to talk about a journey, okay? And over here, where this young man is sat, this is, I want you to imagine, the start of the journey. And over there, wave iris, this over here is the end of the journey, okay? So we're going to start at the end, because if you want to build something, or grow something, um, or do something productive, I think it's helpful to have the end in mind, so that we can reflect on, as we're moving along, is what we're doing getting to where we want it to be? Or for us, is what we're doing and the people we're becoming moving us nearer to where God wants things to end up. So, hands up if you know Jesus. Great. So you will all know, what's the end? What's the end going to look like? Give me a simple answer. Heaven? Yeah, that's... We'll be like Jesus. A party? Yeah, hopefully. Yep. We can only imagine. So there's lots we don't know. What is it going to be like? Um, um, but what I know it's going to be like is there's going to be a lot of people there. There's going to be people there from every different type of tribe, tongue, nation. And that doesn't just mean different countries. It means all different types of cultures. So... Young people, people from gangs, people from other countries, people who are different from us, people who like different types of food than us, people who like different kinds of music than us, people who maybe gather to worship together at different times than us, that gather in different ways than us, because God loves people. And the end goal, according to God, is that there's going to be people worshipping Jesus. So that's, that's the end. Um, and lots of people who are far cleverer than me like to discuss all of the ins and outs. I don't really know about that. I'm just trying to work with Jesus to get as many people to the end as possible. So that's where we're moving towards. And that is what I would hope is all of our hearts, that we are becoming involved with Jesus and what he's doing in the world. Because it's what he's doing. It's not what I'm doing, or you're doing, or a church is doing, or an organization is doing, 
or a famous preacher on YouTube is doing, it's what Jesus is doing. And um, so that's the end. So the start is over here. So most of you will have made a start on your journey with Jesus. I don't know what that was like for you. Um, we will all have similarities, but there's also differences. So when I started my journey with Jesus, it was interesting because I'd grown up um, going to a church with my mum and dad. So I don't really have a spectacular testimony like some of my friends in Somerset do. I was just a kind of normal guy, not really done anything that stupid or ridiculous. Um, life was fairly easy, had a nice upbringing, mum and dad loved me, and I was kind of familiar with this kind of thing that we're doing. Um, and I'm thankful to that, but also it made me very blasé and comfortable because, you know, I'd never experienced anything in the real world. So it took me a while to come to my own conclusions and decisions that I wanted to follow Jesus. And the kind of person I am, that didn't mean, yeah, I would just follow Jesus a bit. It was like, I, I am giving everything to Jesus a thousand percent, because that's the person I am. If I think something is right or believe in something, you know, it's, it's everything. So I started on my journey. And to be honest, for, for a while, the journey was a bit up and down, but it didn't really go anywhere. Because back then, I thought that the journey with Jesus was about praying a prayer, getting baptized maybe at some point, and then getting involved with a church. And that was all I knew. Um, and when I was about 18, some different things happened, and I was going to university. And I remember one night that summer, um, and it wasn't really a nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. It was quite a sobering reality that actually I'd given my life to Jesus, and at the end, over there where Iris is, I was going to give an account to Jesus of how I've lived my life. And um, it was quite a sobering thing. So I went to university fairly enthusiastic to share Jesus with everybody on the campus. Um, and so that was a moment in my journey where something changed. And I look back and think, that changed the trajectory of my life. Um, I didn't want to just carry on doing the same things that I saw everybody else doing. I didn't want to be part of Christianity, or whatever label it was, that wasn't actually effective and making a difference out in the real world. Because Jesus had an effect in the real world. He said his friends were notorious sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, all of these kind of people that I wasn't really seeing coming to know Jesus. And for me, as someone who likes to ask questions and think about it, that to me was an issue. So that was when I was 18. When I was about 18, I used to, I was living in Chester, so I used to come over and see Polly and Pete, James and Lucy, and a few other people. So it was really a great joy to see all of this also starting the journey when it was just starting. And so we've been able to see these guys and our friends on their journey as well. I then went to live in Australia for four years. So my wife, Catherine's Australian. We had 
Isaac, who's Hudson's older brother. He was born in Australia. And for four years in Australia, we had um, like problems with illness. So we couldn't do a lot of things. And we had to come to terms with the fact that if all we could ever do was pray ever again, you know, that was okay. So we had to learn lots of things. And that may be, some people have described that as like a wilderness season in our life, which we all go through from time to time. Then we came back to the UK, and then Hudson was born. So this is about 16 years ago. And I got some part-time work. Um, I'd been working at a church in Chester, and as I reflected on those two years, I felt a bit like, um, what effect were we really having on the community around us? I was doing lots of things, doing things like this, speaking at youth events, different things. But I began to think, when I look at the life of Jesus and his disciples in the Bible, and I looked at my life, I felt a bit uneasy. And I felt I need to ask some questions about myself. Um, so I did some work, part-time work, got involved with the church we were in, in our little town, Somerton, of about 5,500 people. Um, and suddenly, the whole path started to change. So I felt one night the Lord was leading me to quit my job and to give myself to prayer. So that was an interesting situation. No one was offering to pay us, or it wasn't a, a job or a title or a wage. But when the Lord asked you to do something, um, it's more scary to think about not doing it than to do it, right? So I did it. Um, God began to provide for us as a family in all sorts of wonderful ways. Um, one dad from the school who didn't know about our situation started to turn up at our house with bags of potatoes on the day when we'd run out of food. It was really amazing. Um, and all I was doing was going out for walks in the countryside praying. I had no idea what we were doing. I had no idea what I, how I was supposed to explain that to people. Um, so I had no idea about lots of things. Um, but we were learning about what it means to follow Jesus and to be led by the Holy Spirit and to ask questions based on what we see in the Scriptures, all of which I've come to see sometimes is lacking in the Christian world, if we can describe it like that, where sometimes it's easier to just go through the motions, do the same thing over and over without questioning anything or without anybody saying, you know, this is really good, but what about this stuff? What about these things that we hear about happening in other countries? Why can't they happen here? So um, God began to show me different things that he was doing in other countries. So I got to see some things that God was doing in places like India. We went to Africa, didn't we, Jones, together? Um, and I went to China. And so I saw people in China, ordinary people like you and me, hadn't had any special training or anything like that. Um, some people gathered, about 10 or 15 people in a home, and then after about seven years, that one group had gone to about 50 groups all over this city that I'd gone to visit. And I saw them. And I was invited on a Friday night 
in this 10th floor apartment to speak to all of these people, people like you, who for the rest of the time in the week all had these communities in their homes and were making disciples and baptizing them themselves. Not bringing them to someone over here, but they were all making disciples themselves and then teaching those people to make more disciples. So there was this thing spreading and growing that was so full of life, it felt a little bit chaotic, but it was absolutely amazing. And it felt like, wow, this is like things you read in the Bible. And so I remember on the aeroplane coming back home to the UK where, you know, we all think God's doing things over there, but not here because this is the UK. It's too hard here. People don't want to know about Jesus here. And I made a decision on, that, on the plane coming home that I was no longer going to live on the basis of what I thought and I'd heard people saying about the UK. I was going to try and live on the basis of this and what the Holy Spirit was saying. So to cut a very long story short, we felt that God was calling us in quiet little Somerset um, to try and learn how to make disciples and how we could start with people that didn't know anything about Jesus, that would probably never turn up at a church, um, to gather them together like Jesus did in a kind of family and community, and that right from the start we would help them to understand and live out that following Jesus is about loving God and loving other people. It's not easy, but it's simple. Um, and we said to people, right from the start, like Jesus did, come and get involved, come and be part of our family, come and have food in our house on a Wednesday night, sit around our table, um, and we'll follow Jesus together, and also, you can share Jesus with people that you know. So we did that right from the start, and it was the most chaotic, strangest, but most amazing thing ever. So we had all sorts of people around our dinner table on a Wednesday night and all hours. And they were all the people, really, that you probably wouldn't want in your house. We had two young kids, Hudson and his brother. Um, yeah, we had the biggest drug dealers, the biggest this, the biggest that. And I think all the people that Jesus would be hanging around with. And we would gather together for food. Um, we'd go around the table and we'd do something called... We'd do our highs and lows. So we were trying to think of simple ways to help people express what was going on in their lives and to do it in a way that those people could do it with people they know as well. So we'd go around the table doing our highs and lows. It was absolute chaos because all of these people had had terrible upbringings. So any time you know, people started to share anything emotional, half of, the, half of the people would just get up and run out of the house because they didn't know how to deal with emotions and pain and everything. So we learned a lot that actually the bottom line is it's about loving people. You know, yes, it's helpful to know a little bit about what we're doing. Yes, it's helpful to know, you know, how do we read the Bible with people. But the bottom line is it's a love issue. <laughs> do we love people enough to help them know Jesus? And do we love them enough to walk with them as they discover the things that we know? Um, so we'd do that, then we'd read something simple in the Bible, and um, through asking Jesus 
and trying to learn, how do we make disciples? You know, this ma- the main thing that Jesus asked his disciples to do when he left, I had to realize, I don't even know how to do it. Like, what am I doing? I don't know how to do this. So you see in the scriptures, well, what did, what did people like Peter, Jesus' friend, say to people when they were interested? So you can see in Acts 2, he said, you need to repent from your sin, have faith in God, get baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit, share with other people, because this promise is not just for you, it's for your children as well, and other people. You need to gather together. You need to tell other people. So we thought, we're not very clever, we'll just, we'll just do what it says. We'll do what it says. And so we did what it said, and what happened was we'd read stories with these guys about baptism, and the next week they'd come and say, we think that we need to repent of our sin and get baptized. So it wasn't clever, it was God's word. Because God loves people more than we do. God wants to transform people more than we do. And God wants people from all, all different walks of life, all different people, he wants them to be with him. So we are on this journey. So it was great. And, you know, God was building this little community of about 10 to 15 people in our house. Um, I wasn't giving sermons. I wasn't doing something like this. We were sat around a meal table, opening the Bible. I would ask questions to people to try and help them understand, you know, when we read a scripture, what is God saying to you guys through this? And what are we going to do about it? And so it was really hard work but it was really amazing. And so one night, I remember lying in bed, most of the night, thinking about different things, praying. And I was thinking, isn't it amazing what God is doing in our home with these guys? But then for some reason, I started to think, but what effect is what God's doing here in our home and with these guys? What effect is it having on all the people they know? Because... Jesus didn't just kind of end with what was happening wherever he went. He was saying to his disciples, actually, you, can, you need to go and pass this on now. And so I started to think, you know, in Somerset, there's about a million people. And God, not, not me or, or the Christian, God wants, you know, the knowledge of his son to be known amongst all of those people. Doesn't he? That's what, you know, the Bible says that. God doesn't want anyone to rep- like perish. So I was thinking, how does it go from this little thing that was happening in our house to something that, that could really transform a, a million people? So well, I had no idea. Still don't have no idea. And what it makes you do is it makes you go to your knees in prayer and fasting. So that's a big part of the journey. Um, And we see that in the scripture, we see that in other parts of the world where God's doing amazing things. So I remember that night I was thinking, how is what's happening here, which is nice and great, going to spread out? And I always feel that. I feel that when I'm with you guys today. It's like, this is amazing. This is great. But what about North Wales? What about all the people that don't know anything about Jesus? Um, How is it going to get from the amazing things that God is doing amongst you guys, 
to share that and let other people in on it. And it might not, if I can suggest it, might not look like the whole of North Wales will cram into this building every Sunday. Shock horror. Um, it might, <laughs> but it might look like a big mess of relationships and people who commit to each other, love God and love other people, and, and work that out in a journey. It might look like in Somerset, we gather together once a month, and it looks a bit like this, except the building's not as nice. Um, but we meet once a month, and then all the other times, everybody is in their homes gathering as households, so groups of five to 12, or gathering in cafes, and for me, it's about encouraging what God is doing and helping people make disciples. And I'm that person who will ask the question, this is great, guys, what we're doing, these great ideas. How is it causing people to love God more and love other people? So we don't just go around banging people on the head with a Bible. We don't just go around trying to get everybody baptized. We love people. And when you love people, it's not hard to get into conversations about Jesus. It really isn't. So it's a love issue. It's not some evangelistic technique issue. It's an issue of our hearts. So during lockdown, someone on our team um, came and said, I, f I feel like God has given us this idea to give out food. So I thought, great. But I made a, I've made a decision to be that person who will always ask, how is this going to lead to God's end goal? So I said, that's great. I said, is there a way that while the team are giving out food, we could offer prayer and we could ask people, would you like to know more about Jesus? So some really simple little things can actually, you know, take the ways that we love and God leads us and cause it to get towards God's end vision. So during lockdown, we, had a, we baptized about 70 people in Somerset, purely through praying, going to some of the guys that we were already discipling and saying, who do you know that you think would appreciate like some food? And then we'd go and we'd turn up at people's houses and literally, we did it twice a week, literally every house we went to, people would come out crying, saying, how did you know to come here on this day? Um, so when someone is saying that, you're like, what? we haven't got anything to say. There's nothing clever. You know, we're not part of some big, clever organization that have a big plan. We love God and we love other people. We just say, well, Jesus has sent us here. Um, can we pray for you? Yeah? So we pray for them. We then just start talking about Jesus normally sometimes invite ourselves in or however, however we do it, like Jesus did. You know, Jesus wasn't waiting for people to come, was he? He was going to people and saying, I'm going to come to your house for tea. And they were like, yeah, come on. So Jesus is having tea with all of the worst people. And then something happened where Jesus says, salvation's come to this household. So something happens when Jesus in us goes into people's lives. And we don't know, it's mysterious, you can't bottle it up or put a label on it, it's Jesus. And so, it's love, love God, love other people. So the journey started for Jesus 
Not because Jesus had the latest church growth model from heaven, did it? Do you think Jesus was reading books about what's the best way to reach people or grow a church? Or... Was he? No. So why do we do that? <laughs> so there's things that are helpful, aren't there? It's helpful to read things. It's helpful to get ideas. It's helpful to hear, you know, where's God at work and where's fruitful. But Jesus started his journey, from what I read, being with the Father. Uh, you know, he was with his Father. Um, he'd got mountains. When people were trying to get him to do things, he'd sometimes say, uh, no, I'm not going to do that because I've got to go and do this other thing. So I see Jesus. It's funny, isn't it? We all see different parts of Jesus. So if I said to now, you know, what's Jesus like? We'd all say different things. And it's very interesting because actually together, together we have the full picture of what Jesus is like. But he's not just like what I think. He's not just what like Andy thinks. Not just what like Greg thinks, because we all see a different thing. But the thing that stands out to me about Jesus was he, and it was mentioned earlier, he was relentlessly listening to his father, relentlessly loving people, and relentless about the mission that God had given him. So even in the midst of all these people, he was relentlessly saying, No, I can't just be here with all of you guys. I have to go to every town and village, because that's why I've come. So, some people have called me relentless, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but that's me, because that's what I see in Jesus. So, in Somerset, we are trying to be relentless about loving God and obeying him, rather than doing what we think is good ideas or doing all of these other stuff. We're trying to obey God, love God, worship God, and love other people relentlessly, even when it hurts, even when it means taking young men into your house like we had to. We didn't have to, we chose to. Um, even when it means encouraging people, look, you know, you've been a Christian for a long time, that's really great, but who are, who are you discipling? Who are you helping to know Jesus? How can you open your home? So this thing in Somerset has grown to be called Mission Somerset. And so we have communities and families all over the place. Most of the people, you know, didn't know anything about Jesus, and, know, and now they know a bit more about Jesus, and we've still got a long, long way to go. But it's amazing, because they're encountering Jesus, they're learning to love God, love other people, and when people like us, okay, so people that's already Christians, kind of, you know, we know a bit, we're not perfect, but we know a bit. We've been in churches for a bit. We know, we know kind of what to do, when to stand up, when to sit down. When people like that in Somerset contact me and say, wow, we've heard about Mission Somerset. Um, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing, just being honest. Um, uh, and it seems to me that people like us, we're looking for something that has life. And we want to get involved with it. So we have people contacting us, and they're Christians. And sometimes, I have to say to them, 
there's not really, you can't really get involved in it. There's not, we don't have a bit of paper that we sign and says, look, if you agree with all this, you can get involved. Um, I'll say, really, the way you get involved is to obey Jesus and to make disciples because we don't want to create another, another thing because there's lots of things in Somerset that are really good at being things, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. We don't want to be another thing. We want to actually make disciples of Jesus with people that don't know him. So we have you know, people who have been believers for a longer time, opening their home, praying for their neighbors, baptizing their neighbors. Um, people often come to me and expect me to be the expert, and I am learning to say no. You know, like Jesus, who asked his disciples to feed the people, didn't he? Not after 15 years when they were all qualified leaders, straight at the start. Yeah, you see in, in John's gospel, it says people were being baptized. Who was doing the baptizing? Jesus the expert? No, his disciples. So very quickly, Jesus was passing things on and inviting people to be involved, not for 20 years doing everything, and then, well, everyone's amazed by how great a leader Jesus is, and then he says, right, you guys do it now. And they're like, what? Right from the start, he said, come and get involved with fishing for people. Come and follow me, and I'm going to teach you how to fish for more people. So that's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. And you're very welcome to come and see the chaos and the mess, but the life. Um, and our thing has always been, um, you know, you say the, we say these things, don't we? Like our hopes or things that we aspire to. So one of the things that I've always tried to say to all of our people is, we want to give our best people away. Okay, so when I see in Scripture... It all started with God giving his best away, didn't he? God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit could have just stayed in heaven and had a good time. Couldn't they? But God sent Jesus to earth because it's more blessed to give than receive. God is like that. God is more giving than what he wants to get back. So that's where it started. And then you have Jesus, who didn't come to build Jesus Ministries International, and have a private jet and do conferences. He only did something for three years, and then he left. So he, he's fairly not successful in the conference world. He left. But he was very, very successful in the kingdom of God because his random, ordinary people carried on his work. And that, that is what is hard to understand when you think about making disciples. is isn't what people do when you're there. It's what actually you've helped them to do without you. So, that's the, that's the journey. Um, so, I wonder where you are in your journey. I wonder where Antioch, not as a, a building or an entity, but as a community of people, I wonder where that is in their journey. So, you've come a long way. Some of you a shorter way. But I would ask you to deeply consider how are you moving towards God's end goal and vision? And be honest about it. 
Recently, Hudson has done his GCSEs, so I've been, we were trying to do a bit of revision, what we had to, which is good. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm not very good at all science and everything, but something stood out to me about forces. Okay, so if someone is cleverer in this area than me, like, tell me if I'm saying this wrong. But for something to move, the forces have to be unequal. So if the forces this way and this way are the same, that something is still. But if the force becomes greater on this way, it starts to move. Okay? So with that in mind, like, I want you to think, in your life right now, what are the forces that are operating in your life? Have you come to a standstill? Are you going backwards because of all of the things in the world or worries or cares or expectations or fears? Is that actually forcing you back? Or are you, slowly but surely, being compelled by love for God and love for other people? And it might not be as fast as what we all want to be moving forward, well, are we moving forward towards this, this end goal? Are we moving beyond doing stuff or programs or things or anything? That it, moving towards loving God and loving other people. So I didn't think that I could come to somewhere called Antioch without reminding you guys about what happened at the original Antioch. So this is, the, this is my final point. Acts 13, verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manian, and Saul. One day as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, and sent them on their way. So that's what happened in the original Antioch. People were gathering together. People had come to faith. And then the Holy Spirit decided that actually we'll send the best people out. We won't keep them for ourselves to make ourselves the biggest church in the whole of the world. The Holy Spirit said, send out your best people because actually it's about the kingdom of God spreading beyond just ourselves. So I want to throw out that challenge to you guys, that the Holy Spirit wants to send all of us out, <laughs> really. Jesus said, didn't he? Just as the Father had sent him, he was sending out his disciples. He said to his disciples, I'm not just praying for you, I'm praying for the people that are going to believe through you. So it's not just about us turning up not just about us knowing Jesus, it's about us loving God, passing it on to other people, helping them passing it on to other people they know, so that one day we can know that we have played our part towards God's end goal or vision. So to finish, we're going to do something that we do in Somerset. Don't you all look a bit worried. <laughs> it's not going to be we're going to go out now and baptize people. Not this time, maybe next time. If, have you got a right hand? If you've got a right hand, put it in the air. Okay. 
you've got a thumb and four fingers. So I want you to think about five people or families or might even be groups of people that you know that you are going to commit to praying for. Okay? But there's a, there's a rule to this game. The rule is that these people, they can't just be people somewhere randomly that you're never going to talk to. They have to be people that realistically you're going to pray for, look for opportunities to share Jesus or what Jesus is doing in your life, and you're going to pray for some way or opportunity to give them an invite to know more about Jesus. However, however that is. James can help you work that out. <laughs> so do you understand what I mean? It's not praying into thin air. It's praying for people. It might be a neighbor. So I'll tell you who my five are, okay, to give you an idea. We have, we have two neighbors, Jess and Nat, who God, God loves, and we're praying for them. Um, there's another family in Glastonbury. Um, the mum's called Danielle. Um, she's very influential in the New Age. Uh, her daughter's been baptized, and they welcome us into the house to read the Bible and pray. So it's an interesting situation. But we'll leave it there. But we're praying for them, for the whole family, and all the people she knows in Glastonbury to come to faith. Um, third, I'm praying for my friend Jazz, who I met in Glastonbury. He's a Sikh, so he's grown up a Sikh. Um, and he saw me and some of my friends breaking bread at a table in Glastonbury, and he was really interested. So I invited him over and said, do you want to do it as well? So I don't know if that was right, sorry. I said, we're, we're breaking bread, we're remembering Jesus. Do you want to be involved? He said, yes. He then said to me, no, I said to him, sorry. So because my passion is I want to go into the world I don't want to get this guy who has all of these friends in a whole world that Jesus is not really in. I don't want to say to him, right, you need to take your turban off, become like me, and become a Christian. I wanted to help him have an encounter with Jesus and then to somehow encourage him that this message about Jesus is for all the people he knows in his world. So I said to him, do you think anybody... Oh, no, I've missed the main point. Sorry. He, I said to him, is there anything that we can pray for you for? He said, I can't move my arm because I've got a shoulder injury. So we put our hand on him and prayed for him in Jesus' name, and his shoulder got healed. So he was really like, wow, it's amazing. And I, I used to stop at that because I was like, oh, that's amazing. But I'm learning to know, you know, God wants to do more than what we think. So I said, have you got any friends or family that might want to be healed in Jesus' name. And he said, um, not really. He said, but if you want to go and pray for people, you could go and visit Sikh temples because they'll welcome you in and they might also feed you as well. So in the Bible, I see that Jesus, one of Jesus' main strategy was told his disciples to go to places or villages and go and eat with people that welcome you and then go and stay with them, heal them, and that's how you start the church in a place. So I thought, oh, this is an interesting invite from this guy. And I, did, I think he probably thought we wouldn't do anything about it. So, but a few months later, I was in Birmingham with our eldest son, Isaac, 
Am I right? For, am I going on? What's the time? Am I right? Yep. Um, so we went past the big Sikh temple. So I thought, you know, God's end vision. Surely, surely, God wants to speak to people in the Sikh world. Surely. Um, you know, so we went into this temple. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, but we thought Jesus might be with us when we were doing this kind of thing. So this lovely guy, Mahinda, met us. He was like really unusually kind and helpful, which was interesting. He showed us all around. And then he said, oh, come and have some food. So I was like, oh, yeah, I love this kind of food. Our eldest son, Isaac, was like, Ooh. I said, Isaac, you know, you need to be respectful and eat this food. So we sat down. And then you know when you get to that point where you know it's like you have to do something that's a little bit courageous and scary? So I just said to this guy, Mahinda, I, I come over. I said, um, bearing in mind to this point we've not said anything about Jesus, Christian or nothing. I just said to him, oh, we really have appreciated your hospita hospitality and generosity and we'd like to bless you. We heal people through the name of Jesus Christ. Could we pray for people that are sick? He said, yeah, that would be lovely. And then he went round to all these people, talking to them, pointing at us. And then he came over and said, come with me, please. So he took us into this little room, sat us down. And then there was a queue of about 15 people waiting to be prayed for. So it was like, it was really amazing and scary. And just, you don't know what to do in those situations. So he just prayed for people. I think I was like overly concerned about saying Jesus like all the time. So they knew we were not just... Uh, and probably about three or four of the people got healed from whatever pain or whatever. And then at the end, he came up and said, thank you so much. He said, um, there's not very many people here today, but if you came back on Saturday, the temple was really packed and you'd be able to pray for more people. So that was in Birmingham. So we had like a two and a half hour drive home. You can imagine all my head was spinning, thinking... Wow, like, wow, God, you know, you're, you want everyone everywhere. You really mean it. But then I was also thinking, what, how would we invite those people, give an invite to those people to discover more about Jesus in a way that would fit them and in a way that would lead the kingdom to spread amongst all of the people? Anyway, that's the third person we're praying for. Um, see what prayer, is, the trouble prayer gets you into. Um, four, there's loads of, there's some Bangladeshi and Sri Lankan families, isn't there, Hudson, in our little town who own all the little corner shops. So we're praying for them. So I'm trying to get an invite to go and have food with them. And then the fifth one is a family, our youngest son, Elijah, plays football. And there's another guy in our town called Ben Taylor. That's funny. So... I'm praying for them and their family. And we just went to their house the other day because Jesus told us to. And we turned up at the perfect time, prayed for them. So we're starting that journey. So yeah, who is your five people that God is asking you to take up in prayer and to begin asking for opportunities to begin discipling them, share your life with them, go to their house, do whatever Jesus shows you what to do. So, I'd like to pray for you guys, if that's okay.
Jesus, we thank you that you've started a good work in all of us. You've started a good work in North Wales, in Somerset, and you're starting good works all over everywhere because that's, that is your work. And that you want all different types of people, whatever label they put themselves on, you want to be known by all of these people. You want communities, churches, to spring up and to form amongst these new people. You want leaders to emerge from these new people. And here we are on our own journeys, and we want to be involved with your work. I don't know about anybody else. I'm just tired of everything that feels, smells, and sounds like man's work that really doesn't lead to very much. Um, So, Father, help us to abide in you, that you'll abide in us and that we'll bear much fruit, and that you will take my brothers and sisters here and that you will do something amazing in them and amongst them that will have a tangible impact and effect on Colwyn Bay, North Wales, Wales and the ends of the earth. Amen.